When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Griffin three. Just a five point margin. Bullock with the three. That's his sixth triple tonight. Well, the way we started the fourth, you know, foolish plays, um, you know, fouling when we, you know, no reason to foul, not playing with verticality, and giving guys dare shots, you know, 40-point quarter. Griffin pulls up for three, and he buries that one. Sure does. Instead of leaving Blake Griffin open, which isn't a good idea. And we are tied. You have to react to what's going on in the game. They made 23s. So, Blake was wide open on one in the corner, no hand up. The next play, we do the same thing. I mean, can't win like that. Bullock gives it up for Griffin. Extra pass. Jackson open look. And Detroit takes the lead. They've been at 9 of 13 threes in the quarter. It's like having an awareness of what's going on in the game. Who has a hot hand? What are they trying to get to? Are we gambling off guys that we shouldn't be gambling off of? Those are things that, you know, you have to have the discipline to to know. Okay, this guy's going pretty good. All right, I'm going to fake my help and get back to him. And then we have to do a better job of containment. Gives it away to Drummond. Shot clock down to three. Drummond takes a three. Are you here? kidding me? Andre Drummond connects from downtown. Pistons met him at the rack. Forced to miss. Reggie Jackson the other way. Scoops and scores off the high glass. The Pistons lead by three. You know, somebody had to lose it. It's a shame from the Timberwolves perspective. But you got to give the Pistons credit. They grabbed this thing by the neck. You have to bring toughness. You know, you have to bring a defense. And you have to play, you know, a 48-minute game. And that's where we have to grow. You know, there was loose balls down the stretch. There was no reaction to them. You know, if you want to win, you got to get to those. Chip Scoggins, that is some down tips right there. That (laughs) is some very... in, In fact, let me go back to this quote because... This is my favorite word of all the words that Tibbs used in his post-game presser last night. Well, the way we started the fourth, you know, foolish plays, um, you know, fouling when we, you know, no reason to foul, not playing with verticality. Not playing. When you don't play with verticality, you're destined to lose to the Pistons. That's how I played basketball. 
Little verticality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no verticality. That's not part of my vocabulary right, right there. Yeah. yeah. You know, that that, that game, and I, I caught up with it in the second half, um, but, but the uh, the shot selection there at the end was just atrocious. Brutal. And, and and I thought Kevin Lynch nailed it in the postgame on FSN. He said it became hero ball. There was the one, and it's hard because uh, Derrick Rose comes down and jacks up a three from the top. And, no, uh, Covington comes down, and jacks up the three from, and I, don't, I can't remember if that was the air ball one. And it then, was, and then, and then the late possession by uh, Derrick Rose, where it, there was no one back underneath the goal. He comes up off the wing and just kind of fires up a wild three that didn't come close. And it's it's difficult because both those guys had made shots all night. They were hot. Covington was on you know on fire, um, but you also have to realize you got to have some ball movement. It can't just be I'm going to dribble it up and jack up a three and. I tweeted this out, and this wasn't meant as a criticism for Andrew Wiggins as much as it was just a acknowledgement that he basically just ran in the corner and stand and stood. Why those other guys? He was the fourth option. I forgot option. he was out there. At you times. didn't even know he. So I tweeted out, "Did he take a shot?" And it sounds like he took. He re-entered. I think was it nine minutes or five minutes? I can't remember in the fourth, and then played all of it, but took one shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like he was such a non-factor that. He's not even an option, Manny. I mean, it was yeah. it was basically standing around and watch Covington and Rose. You know, jack up shots, and and so I don't. I, I Derek Rose shooting twenty nine shots cannot be your option. The, the offense, your good option, yeah. And even uh, you know, I understand he scored a lot and he he made some shots, but do you want your point guard shooting thirty times? No, no way. When you have Carl Anthony Towns, no, yeah, no, I don't. And and I'm not saying Wiggins is a better option, but you, he's a max player. You're paying him a lot of money for him to go stand in a corner so, and watch. I don't understand the philosophy. So it, was the assumption because Cat um, was cold from three last night that Derek was going to try and do it by himself, largely, or what, could be. What would the assumption that's, be there? That's what it looked like. I, but and I by think the that's way, just though, his personality, Joe. When he's got it going, I think he's going to he's going to dominate the ball. And by the way, the threes again are out of control against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this. You can't, but I mean, this goes back. Okay, this goes back pre Butler griping, right? A year ago, we talked mm-hmm. about this, and you're not taking threes, or you're not making enough threes, and your opponents are. They, this goes back to a conversation that we had on at least a dozen occasions last year about basketball in 2018. 19 is not basketball in 1997. Therefore, if you can't make threes and are are giving up threes, I don't care how many you score from two. Yeah, and, and what uh, the Pistons came in as one of the worst shooting teams, I think they right? Were 29th in, in percentage or but, something like that. But yeah. however, if you're going to give them open threes, odds are those guys are going to make them. Yeah. I mean, they may be bad shooters when they're contested, but if they're not being guarded and it's just kind of spot up in the corner and shoot, they're going to make them. And the other thing, too, is when Andre Drummond, and yeah. we heard it on the highlight, when he <laughs> yeah. hit that three-pointer with the shot clock winding down, I just threw my hands well, up. Did you, you see know that? What? Yeah. That this was is a, just stupid. That was a nice shot, though. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice shot, but you also but felt like they're not going to win the game. Yeah, when that <laughs> guy is making threes, it's just like, come on, yeah, this, is just, this is just stupid. Can I transition to to something else that, that we saw on the telecast last night? And it's an honest question I have. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying this to to cut the people up who were doing it. But what is the desire of a grown of an adult, mostly adult males, to buy a very expensive ticket to a basketball game or or a sporting event, sit as close as possible and for instance ride Blake Griffin throughout the entire game. Yeah. Now now yeah. I know there was a guy that did it who got on Blake's nerves and actually Blake start, started to get hot after that. And then there was a guy late in the game that got kicked out. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's sports, though, Judd. I mean, every 
every arena, every stadium, every ballpark. But like every, a guy uh, in his 30s or 40s? Well, there just, was a guy. Had there alcohol was a, and guys, you know, I think it starts off as funny and then obviously... It, it annoyed Blake Griffith to the point where it was counterproductive. Yeah, you, 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 or, he got hot. Yeah, you, know? you remember the guy? I, I think it might, it might have been two years ago now with Russell Westbrook in Philadelphia. The Thunder yeah. went Philadelphia to play the Sixers, and there was some guy that was sitting like on the baseline, but like two rows back, and he's on camera and he's like doing this to Russell Westbrook. He's flipping him two birds. Yeah. And, and you know, Russ just kind of points at him like, somebody going to come uh, get yeah. this guy or whatever. Well, how know? often do you see, though, in NBA because they're so close where guys will hit a shot and they'll turn around and start talking to him because you know the fan, whoever's been sitting in that front row, has been yeah. chirping at him the whole yeah. game. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand, and I get it. You start to get drunk, and, and you consider it to be fun. And someone laughs at it, and you yeah. think it's funny, and then it just keeps going. Yeah. But... You know, and you know what? If you're a 21, 25 year old punk, oh, I sort of get that. Like, mm-hmm. I still think it's silly, but I get that. But like, dude, you're if middle you're, aged. Yeah, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you yeah. doing? It like, is. you got great seats. Enjoy the game, and that doesn't mean I'm not. I'm not saying it, it should be a church. Yeah, you can certainly say things and have fun, but really, you're to, gonna to like when he gets thrown out. The yeah, guy, they had to ask him to leave. And yeah. it's like these professional hecklers who are famous, and I guess that's mm-hmm. all well and good and cool. But it's like, so you are known for going to, I don't know, take your pay. The Sixers games. Yeah. And riding guys. That's really, that's fun? How long is that fun for? <laughs> hey, you suck. And those hey. tickets are not cheap, man. No. no. They are not I, cheap. I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with alcohol. I'm sure it does. Yeah. But nonetheless, I, I just think it's, and in fact, uh, Krasinski in his story today talked to a guy who got on Griffin's nerves who, who was with his wife. Oh, yeah. If that was me and the wife, oh boy. the first time I said, hey, Blake, you're shooting 33%, you stink, my wife would be like, shut up. Oh, no, you're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing everybody. <laughs> this is a complete embarrassment. Uh, last Wolves thing. When Jeff Teague returns within the next few games, what is your, your solution if you feel that there should be one, and I do, to keep Josh Okogie at least playing? Well, I think... You're probably gonna look to trade one of those guys, not Josh Okogie, obviously. You look to trade Teague, probably, probably. If if you're so enamored with with Derrick Rose and we know the ties he has with Tibbs and how he feels about him, I just I, whatever it takes. I'm getting Josh Okogie minutes if I'm them. I mean, it makes no sense for that guy to play four minutes a game when, with his activity is and what he completely. brings to you. Yeah, and and that's what this season's about. I, it never made any sense. I mean, I know we have a nine-man rotation or eight-man. You know, there's no room. Of course there's room. Find room. Mm-hmm. I mean, all he does is a have a major impact. You can do it if you want. And so, yeah, I would probably look to, to move Teague if I could. And I think, too, late. I mean, I think when they were winning, when they went on that, that nine-and-three stretch, Mm-hmm. Post Butler trade, the, those first twelve games, mm-hmm. you kind of look at it and say, okay, well they're winning, so what's what's the big deal? But now they're they've this is what five out of six that they've lost now, and now they're going on the road, and now they're going on a road for a tough stretch, six like, out of seven, right? Yeah, coming up on the road, yeah, Which, where they've and been you terrible. Got, you got San Antonio, you got Oklahoma City twice in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. on the road, which led to you, sir, and Danny Cunningham doing a raise by Wolves. Uh, today, if I'm not mistaken, in which you both try and project the uh, potential expiration date for Tibbs' time as Wolves head coach. Is that correct? Yeah, Danny did that. He, Your <laughs> guys are so I negative. Mean, we got. I uh, hate this negativity <laughs> in this town. Well, he, Danny pinpointed the uh, January 15th game, which is a uh, 
I believe that's a Saturday in Philadelphia. Ah, okay. That is uh, the 13th game of the next 13. I have become, just from talking to you guys and and trying to read the tea leaves, I've become in re- uh, become convinced in recent weeks that Tibbs is not going to get it during the season. I don't think he will. I think he's going to survive the entire I think, thing. I, I think, think he's, so, too. I think he's gone after that. But the more that you guys talked about it initially... Glenn's not. I don't think I, if Glenn didn't do it during the Butler debacle, I don't think he's going to do it until after the season ends. Yeah, I would. I guess you never say never. And if, if the wheels completely fell off here during this road trip or whatever, you which may, it could, which it could. <laughs> but even then, I I'm my hunch is that they would ride it till the end of the season, and and then address it then. But yeah, I mean, it's you know you thought at the initial spark or whatever you want to call it after the trade you thought well maybe there's something here but they've just settled back into the same old patterns same as my hockey team yeah you thought yeah. to yourself hey they're on a nice little stretch here they could be just fine <laughs> they're second in the western conference and now they've lost 10 of 16 and are yes. nowhere and are three points out i believe of a playoff spot at all so so looking at the wolves next 13 games yeah san antonio oklahoma city Chicago next Wednesday, day after Christmas. Spurs are on track now, correct? Yeah, the Spurs are starting to play better. better. They still got some. They still got some point guard issues. They were awful here. They're playing better. All right. Um, Then you're home against Atlanta. Then you're at Miami, at New Orleans, at Boston. Then you're home against Orlando, LeBron. Then you're back to Oklahoma City. Then you got Dallas, New Orleans at home, and then January fifteenth, which is a Tuesday. I don't know why I said Saturday. Uh, it's, It's a Tuesday at Philadelphia. So what would get Tibbs? So if Glenn was to say, "It's done, I'm making a change," how bad would things need to get before he did that? I think they games. Need, I think they need to get awful at this point. Yeah, I mean, a three and ten stretch. That's why I was gonna say something like that. It. Yeah, and then who Two comes in? Three and ten. Fred. Well, you wow. wouldn't bring somebody in from the outside mid-season. It'd have to be somebody on staff. I probably. Andy Greer would probably be the one, right? They're not going to do it. No, you I guys just, both know they're not going to. I don't. Do it. No, I don't, I don't think, think so. Either, they're not going to do it. I think if I they did, I think it. there's a better chance. And, and I'm not predicting this. I think. I think right now, if you think this through, there's a better chance that the Wild makes an in-season coaching change than the Wolves do. And that sounds mm. that sounds crazy, but hockey is well, hockey. Hockey people more. love to do that. Yeah, spark I, chip. We give him a spark. I just Mojo does not. But by the way, does not deserve to be fired. I'm just no way. That. No, no I, that would be. I, I think I'd be surprised in either case. All right, let's take a break. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd Phil joins at four. Until then, it's Zolgat, Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune sports columnist Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there on fifteen hundred ESPN. Zero rest. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. One crash to tell you about right now that's causing a little bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, 94 eastbound. It's uh, in St. Paul between 5th Street and John Ireland Boulevard, causing a nine-minute delay. So if you're in that area, look out for that crash. As I recruit young men, one of the things I tell them about all of you, you're going to be trained for real life. So media is not easy. So you're going to be trained for real life because this is a big time media. Big time. You cover all pro sports. You're not going to get into your press conference and have one guy with a little camera that's on his phone and he forgot to start it halfway through. Right? And then he's going to make up half the story. 
You're going to get cameras in your face all the time. You're going to be prepared for the National Football League. You're going to answer really tough questions. You're going to be able to have a big market where you've got to do all the right things. You've got to represent not only just the University of Minnesota, but an entire state and all of Gopher Nation. So kudos to you. Again, I talk about you in recruiting as well. So just appreciate everything, all the coverage everybody gives us. Again, it was reported six to eight players were missing practice. And that was tied into certain, certain things, which again, that, that's, I gave you a list of why those players, including sources, were, people aren't necessarily, we haven't had open practices. So in terms of sources, I'm not sure where that number comes from. So, but to be able to report on that, I don't, I don't understand that. To be able to actually put that out there based on what we're hearing with you not being at practices, um, especially with something that's not out there in terms of a legal situation. So that's, that's what I was just, because there were so many people, for the things I said, of why people miss practices, especially during bull prep. But again, like I said, if people do break or violate any team rule, they will be handled accordingly. All right, Chip Scoggin. So last night I made the <laughs> grave mistake, I guess, of getting involved in Twitter on a discussion about the subjects that P.J. Fleck was talking about there, which was uh, the press conference he held yesterday about recruiting and that class, and he obviously talked extensively in his opening remarks about the class. And then that was his first availability since the Star Tribune reported that, what, six to eight players mm-hmm. were going to be held out of the bowl game, the Quick Lanes Bowl, the day after Christmas in Detroit. Fleck disputed the number that the paper said we're not going to play. He did say there would be a player or players who wouldn't play. Anyway, I got a question for you. Yes. So... In the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. what do you think about what PJ said? And just as importantly, what do you think? Where's the where's the line here where you've got some, and they're very passionate, and I understand that, go for football fans, who find it very offensive that anything was asked about not non-recruiting yeah. uh, and the fact that there is definite news here and that nobody ha- could have addressed it possibly because Fleck didn't have press conference until yesterday. Yeah, and... and- I'll kind of ramble here, but oh, it's good. Um, the school chose to not comment on that report until Wednesday. I can tell you firsthand that PJ got a text. He, Mark Cole got a text. John Cunningham got a text and said, "Hey, this is what we're reporting." And there was silence, mm-hmm. and they were told there's a press conference next Wednesday. So the school made that decision that the first time they were going to address it was recruiting day, signing day, and so. To come back and say, wow, I can't believe you asked questions. Well, you told us. You said that's when the questions should be asked. So now, did there need to be that many? We can argue that. And no school is going to tell you what a kid got suspended for. They're just not. I've covered thousands of coaches exaggerating. Will some schools give you names? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he could. And so it, it would not have in shot hindsight, you. In hindsight, the way I would have done it, yeah. I would have said player X, Y, and Z or whoever have whatever n- number is one three whatever it is four uh, have been suspended for the quick lane bowl for a violation of team rule. We'll have no further comment. Or PJ Fleck will be available for five to ten minutes after practice, and he can address it then. Recruiting press conference is going to be for recruiting. That's what I would have done. But that makes the most. Sense. And I'm just this is just a guess on my part. Yeah, I think because they are in the eleventh hour recruiting, they are right on the edge of signing this class. There are some guys probably. On the brink of they're going to sign here, going to sign there. They're trying to close the deal on certain guys, and they did not want to have negative news out there that hey, whatever the number is, let's say three. I don't know what 
actual number is, but right. let's say three. Three guys got suspended for breaking team rules. They didn't want to have that out there, and so they kind of just went in the bunker and let it just sit there. And so that was their choice to do it that way, but you have to understand that question is going to be asked the first availability that you have, and that was it yesterday. Now, I didn't expect uh, – Flack was going to sit here and say, yeah, this guy did this and this guy did that. Right. That's not going to happen. No coach does that. Right. I mean, I don't I don't know if this is true, but there might be some legal uh, ramifications. But you're not I think go, there is, isn't if it? You, if you just said, hey, Joe Blow or Chip Scoggins failed you're the drug test, going to get yeah, you're not going to get that. No. Right. I get that. And so to think that you're going to get that, it's not reasonable. Um, so I think there was, you know, I don't know if it was mistakes, but it, it probably could have been handled all the way around a lot better. The reason why I think I would have provided a brief media access beyond or separate from this to explain it to is it sounds like PJ Fleck is being proactive here and taking control. And I wouldn't be concerned at all about telling an incoming recruiting class that this now, if all hell was breaking loose and this was a terrible thing, yeah. then I get that because you're trying to bury that and it's embarrassing. But if this is a coach just saying, "Hey, listen, I've got rules, and these are going to be my rules, and and you know, I will answer, I will answer your questions off to, to the side at this time," I think that message is actually a productive. Well, that's one. that's the thing, and I was thinking of it, and and I don't know that the reason why they waited till uh, yesterday to address it uh, was because they didn't want to have negative news out there during the recruiting, you know, the eleventh hour of it. Yeah. That's just a guess, but it. But speaking as a parent, if I saw that. And I said, you know what? This coach is going to hold them accountable if they screw up. Yes. I wouldn't be like, well, we're not going to that school. I'd be like, hey, that's, 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 that's more my impressive. Point. Yeah, that's yeah, my point. Yeah. Is is the message to the parents and and the incoming kids is I've got rules here, and it's not you know, and and yes, yes to you. This might not seem like a big deal, but it is. Yeah, because we're, I think we're, that's a good message. Standards, yeah, and if and if if other schools try to use that against you at the last second to try to get a kid to swing one, I don't. Think it's going to work, well, and it, you could come back and say, "Hey, we had you know players get in trouble at every school and every football program, and I don't know how they deal with theirs, but this is how I'm going to deal with players of mine. When they get in trouble, they're going to be held accountable. They're going to be punished." I need your help on something too, mm-hmm. because this is a question I've got off my uh, extended conversations last night with Gopher football fans. I saw you were. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. You grew up loving. The Tennessee Vols. Yes. SEC. You are the biggest college football fan I think I know. Um, but you're from the South where college where college football and recruiting and all those things yeah. are absolutely king. I'm I don't know about them as well, uh, except for what you've told me through the years. And so here's my question. I got responses last night that basically were people should back off Fleck. If Fleck was in a real college town, they support the program. Coaches there aren't questioned. They are embraced. Basically saying that if P.J. Fleck leaves, it's going to be our fault. And and that because the majority of people who cover the Gophers in this market aren't like Sid, that, we're, that we are all the problem here. As somebody who grew up mm. in college football country, tell me if you think that's true and if you believe that these top coaches get free passes. No, and I, I think maybe in, uh, back in the day, more so because I think there was cozier relationships between reporters and that we're talking seventies, eighties, maybe nineties. But now I think the way media is now where there's so many more outlets, there's so much more information. If a, if a player screws up at any program, they're going to get written about it. The coach is going to get asked about it. Now I've heard that, you know, since I've moved here that because this is a pro market, people treat them 
the Gophers like you would treat the Vikings or Timberwolves or whatever. I don't know that that's the case. I just think there's more reporters here. And um, do they get treated unfairly relative to Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State? I, I don't know because I, I I don't think I would say that because I know reporters in other towns and when there's scandals or Urban Meyer certainly didn't he got get hammered by the media there and, gloves right and people said well Jim Urban, Trestle got chased out of there people said that Urban got off light he should have been fired well that wasn't the media's fault that's because the fans <laughs> pressure put on the administration well the fans were supported not the media hasn't Kirk Kirk Ferentz has been they've been talking about trying to run him out of there for years every yeah. time Iowa goes six and six. They always there's always a speculation. Well, this should this should be it for Kirk Ferentz. You know, he's not just not getting it done. I mean, it's but I, but I will like say, this everywhere. But well, I will say the the one thing I've noticed about this, and this is not just media, but I'm just talking about in general that there is such a skepticism and cynicism about Gopher athletics, particularly the football program in this town. But for but but for fifty re- years with of, reason. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. But with fifty years, they, the the fan base has been beaten down so much. Yeah, and and. It's hard to, you know, if there's anything that goes wrong and you report on it, I think there's pushback from the diehards that think, oh, you're being too hard on them. And it's like, well, I, I think it's just you're doing your job. Now, I'm not talking about yesterday and what happened yesterday, but I'm just saying in general, if there's a story, if there's something going on, then you need to go report it. You can't pretend like it's not there. I just I I find I find it insulting that there's a certain affection of the Gopher fan base here that believes that Fleck should be just basically told, "Oh, you're great, it's fantastic," and and then for them to imply that at big time college football schools that's the case because I see I I swear to God in press conferences for these other coaches I see them getting pushback. Yeah, or you you're talking about this specific case or no, something no, else? No, I'm talking about this overall. If PJ Fleck leaves, it's the media's fault because he's not treated with kid gloves. That's, by not, that's not why he would the leave. media. That's no, not. but I mean, I wouldn't think that he would want to be treated like that. Like I, he just wants to be treated fairly. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he also listen and good for him if he suspended these kids. That's absolutely fine. But he damn well knows that when he makes the decision not to play them, it's not going to be ignored. Well, that's the thing. You can't. Yeah. Well, here's that's insulting. If you suspend however many players for a bowl game, it's a story. Now, I think it's unreasonable to think to get upset and that he won't tell you why, because that's just not how schools operate. Right. He's not going to tell you why. And he, I mean, and I don't think you should be insulted because he doesn't, because there's team rules, and I've covered. I don't think Mason would have told you why. I don't think Brewster would have told you why. I don't think Jerry Kill would have told you why. And that's all part of the part of the game. I get well, that. That's I totally just get not. That. You're not going right. to throw student athletes under the bus when you're trying to recruit, and they look and say, "Well, you're, if I get in trouble, you're going to tell everybody what I did." Yes. I, I understand it. That's just how the game played. But to think that you're not going to write a story about it, then that's foolish. I mean, that's a, that's part of the deal. This is a big league market. This is Big Ten football. But this is, and I mean, this also goes back to Judd that. The tweet you had a couple of weeks ago after they beat Wisconsin about how you know beating Wisconsin was great, but now you got to think step, about building on it. And then you got you got pushback on Twitter about that. Well, just dude, why can't we just enjoy the win? It's like, what? Yeah. There's like a level of, and I apologize for sounding like so defensive of the media, but like there's like this level of cynicism from fans towards the media that anything you say, even if like. 
you're trying to be positive about something, somehow right. it's just it's taken as being negative, as which is really, really, yeah. But what I, I wanna, don't get it. But what I want to convey to to people is this: to if you just say you beat Wisconsin, this is the greatest day of all time. This is fantastic. This is that's insulting. Yeah, that's saying you have no ability to do anything beyond that. Like you are a Division One college yeah. football program. And I just think things have become so goofed up, and you do have, and this isn't all fans, but you do have these Gopher fans who have come to this really weird conclusion that the problems of their program are rooted in the fact that the media is too tough. Well, that yeah, I, and I you used gotta to, you gotta understand you're crazy if you I, think that. I used to hear that all the time, and let um, me, you know, you can't win here because the media. Really, that's that's why, why that's fifty years because you get criticism. Come on, no, it's because you either have bad coaches, bad recruiters. Terrible facilities, whatever the you know the list whole list, but it's like it's not the media's job to win. It's you know, and and do they get untreated? You know, sometimes are unfair things. Probably, yeah. I'm not now. Now I do. I do think this market where I will or I do feel bad for some is this market's really weird in that you do have some people, and and this is probably true of lots of them, but you do have some people who love the home team so much in our jobs. That it gets confusing, because then you get coaches. I yeah. mean, I mean, the head coach of the Vikings has come out and said flat out, "Why can't you guys be more like Sid?" Yeah. Well, if you're a fan, you're like, "Well, that's a good point," because I love Zim. He's right. So that that's where it gets mm-hmm. confusing. But I just i I want to explain to golfer fans: don't ask to be patronized. Like someday you might get good. It might be fun, but then you'll be legitimately good. Mm-hmm. And for me, the night of the Wisconsin win to say, "Well, you beat Wisconsin. This is the be all end all. I hope we get to the motor. You know, the the quick yeah. lane bowls uh, would be embarrassing. It'd be embarrassing for you, embarrassing for no, me, I think, embarrassing I think for the program. I think that's an absolute fair, legitimate thing to say. You had a big win here. Build on it. What does this mean? Yeah, going forward, this it, you showed what your potential is, and this is a building block for next year. I don't think that's unreasonable. And the other weird thing about people get to getting defensive about that, and and this is true of all fans, is what do you think your team is saying, and like your coaches are saying exactly mm-hmm. what they're saying. Yeah. Do you really think Flex said, "Beat Wisconsin, boys. We're good. That's it. Yeah, we've right. Let's take next year off." No, he said, "Oh, this is awesome. Let's build on this. This shows you. This will springboard you into next year. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on fifteen hundred ESPN. It's a trend in college football where people are skipping their bowl game right now. And I think that's been for a while, but I think it's becoming more popular and being covered a lot more and almost being expected of some people. Um, I get it. I played in that league. I've coached in that league. Um, There's a lot of people telling other people what to do. When you get to that point, there's a lot of other people in their ears by then uh, at, at the next level in terms of people that possibly want to sign them, um, agents, um, you know, they're, they're getting information from different people on different sites or they're getting all these certain, you know, uh, rankings of where they fit or where they should be. But there's only one there's only a certain amount of people that actually know where they're going to be, be drafted and where they're going to be. And that's the NFL. Those are the only people that actually know those things. But again, I get it. I think everybody has a certain case of why they should or why they shouldn't do it. And I think every case has to be handled individually. I do believe that. You know, I had a guy that was a fifth overall pick playing his bowl game. 
you know. And uh, I've had guys that have left early. So it just it just depends on what the family thinks. All right, Chips Goggins, mm-hmm. your feeling on the growing trend of guys not playing in the non-playoff bowl games? Yeah, I'm going to have a comment on this on Sunday. Um, five years ago, I, I would have probably been outraged. Now I'm like, yeah, each his own. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I understand. I totally get it. If, if you're in a playoff, you play, and I think every guy yeah. would. But even higher up bowls, if you're a high, you know, potentially high draft pick, I think I probably would skip. It's just not worth. We saw it with Jalen. Is it Jalen Smith? Yes. However many years ago that was. Who's he, okay now? He's okay now. But, but on the front injury. end, he lost millions of dollars. Yes. Because of that injury over a meaningless bowl, and so, I mean, you look. You know, even if you're not going to be drafted, if you if you just want to get, um, you know, save yourself potentially from an injury, or just start getting ready for, uh, you know, your workouts, or you know, Danell Green needed surgery, and so he wants to get the, the surgery so he has more time to recover for his pro day. Yeah, because Cashman's is skipping too, right? Yeah, yeah, and so much nowadays is just that pro day. Whether if you yeah. don't get to the combine, you've got that one day. You have got to nail it. Mm-hmm. And that could be the difference between fifth round, seventh round, undrafted, whatever. And so I, I've come around on that. I, I think um, I talked to a former player. I'll, I'll save that for my column. But he, he goes into really kind of the mindset for players just the tug of war because on one hand, um, you know, you've played with these guys. You're, you're, they're your guys, and you've played with them, and you want to. You don't want to feel like you're abandoning anybody. You don't want to make it feel like you're selfish but on the other hand, You've got as, as he said, this is something you the NFL is something you work for your whole life. If you had this dream, you would hate to see that end over a, a bowl game in Detroit. That means nothing. Absolutely. And so, it, but it is a tug of war. And but I, to me, I, I'm at the point where to each his own. Who it, started this? Because it started what two years ago? No, it, see, Flag said it, he feels like it's been, and maybe the it just wasn't as publicized. I think after Jalen Smith, I think I can't remember who the first one was. Um, but now I just I googled it and so, one of the sites is, has a running total. I think it's like ten guys now. They're you know prominent guys. Michigan has a couple. The quarterback from Will Greer's yeah. not. Um, and so you know, I mean, I'm sure coaches it frustrates. You know, I mean, if if you're West Virginia and you don't have Will Greer, <laughs> you're you know he's a uh, you know one of the best quarterbacks. But that's sort of the deal. These are just exhibitions. They don't really mean anything outside the playoff. Um. And so it's it's hard to when you see a guy potentially, you know, like I don't know what the the difference between where Jalen would have been drafted because I think he was going to be a top ten pick, right? Yeah, and his career could have been over. His career I mean, been that, over. that's the thing about this. So I just say, you know, it's up to each player, and if he feels like he wants to play, play. If he feels like it's not worth the risk. I, I'm not going to criticize him. What I like is this calls for expansion of the playoff system with more bowls. I've come around on that, and it's not necessarily players sitting out, but I've come around on that. I used to be a four is enough, we're good to go. I don't want to diminish. I know you come to mostly. Yeah, that's right. Mostly, mostly because I, Mr. College Football me, Judge Zolga, just come up. Ask that's me right. Questions. But to me, the college football regular season is the best regular season because every game matters. It's not like if you know you're getting in playoff, some of these games. Th- I don't say they don't matter, but you know, okay, I'm still getting in, right? right? And I was always worried if you went from four to eight, you would have that, and you you would have more so now, or than you do now. So if it went to eight, 
Alabama doesn't have to worry about losing the Georgia SEC championship game, which they should do away from the championship games anyways. That should be your first, the quarterfinals I, that weekend. But so. even if, but if, yes. if it wasn't, yes. if you had eight, Alabama can lose and they know they're getting in. Heck, they could have lost and they know they're getting in with four. But you, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't want it to take away from the importance of the regular season, but I don't think it would. I think all those games are still exciting. They're still... So you'd have five, the five Power Five conference winners, champions, yep. which means you'd probably have to get away with the from the divisions because it's not fair. To, like the Big Ten, the East and the West is not balanced at all. Mm-hmm. So, but you'd have the five conference champions and three at large. Uh, one of them would have to be from the group of five. So that way you would get, you know, whoever. Um, this year would probably be, I don't know who would. Who would be, but um, so you'd, you'd have that automatic there, and then two wild cards or two at larges, and so um, obviously Notre Dame would be one. So I think that, and then you could play the the quarterfinals on campus, so you're not having to go, you're not asking fans to travel. To yeah, some, yeah. So you, you play them on campus, and then your semifinals can go to the to the other bowls, and so I don't think that would take away from the. Uh, I don't think that would take away from. The just the magnitude of each game in the regular season, because you'd still have some of those games. Would still, if you have one loss, okay, we can't have we can't afford to have two. This this is, is essentially an elimination game. This regular season game. So, uh, I think it's going to go that way. Especially this week, Jim Delaney jumped into the mix with with the athletic and said, "Yeah, we need to have that discussion." When Jim Laney saying, "Of course he did," yeah, because they don't have the man who ruined college hockey as we know it. He's still one of the most powerful figures in college. He has no soul. When he says we need to take a look at it, it's going to happen. Chip, uh, question for you as a fellow fan of an SEC football team. Yeah, Um, does that (laughs) nice? Um, Does that conference need to go to nine conference games? With 14 teams in it? Yeah, probably. Probably. Because eight just does not feel like enough, especially if Alabama's going to play like well, Florida A&M and blow them out 62-3. to three. Yeah, it's hard. And, you know, they're, they're, um, and their rationale, obviously, is because that's the best conference and you're playing right. really good teams every week. Uh, and so to add another one, you're raising the, the possibility of a loss. And so that might hurt you in the national yeah. scope. And so coaches are always going to resist it. Um, but I think that's probably where they need to go. Because you, you just have too many. There's too many. Why don't First you all, these guys get your team just, turned around before you concern yourself yeah. with this? That's Why don't right, you get yeah. your team on the right track? Okay, <laughs> hey, we, we got a four-star four running back to uh, sign today. so we're. we're but the of, ACC yeah. has the same problem. The ACC yeah. has 14 teams, and they only play eight, eight conference games. Yeah, and that's... Um, that that's the one thing about college football is I, I look at the Big Ten. I've been banging this drum forever. Is like, man, you're just so better off being in the West versus the East mm-hmm. because in you know oh it's not even close yeah and yep. so if if it's really going to be equitable if if they go to the eight team playoff and you say okay the conference winner and then within that I think if you do that you're probably going to see the elimination of those conference championship games, mm-hmm. well then... The divisions are gone then, right? Then I think it has to be because you can't... How, how, how would you have up. a champion right. if you well, have two two divisions? And it's not fair. If you come out of the Big Ten East, you've earned it a heck of a lot more than if you've come out of the Big Ten West. It's just there's it's not even close to being balanced in terms well, of strength. Of, and, the, and the Big 12, which only has 10 teams, you know, which is <laughs> funny, and the Big Ten has 14. Yep. But the Big 12... 
every team plays each other. Yeah. They play they play nine conference games. Well, that's yeah, if you could do that, that's ideal. I mean, obviously you can't do it with 14 teams. Right. But um so that's but 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 coaches will resist it because they say, "Hey, eight's enough. We already faced eight really good teams. If you add nine, now you're going to increase the chances of us losing more games. Then I'm going to get fired." And I'll, you know, they do that every mm-hmm. time. And so, but the Big Ten has done it. I Big know. Ten has gone now, to nine. Now, can TV can TV opt out of the current contract That's, for the four team playoff and go to an eight team? Yeah, sooner that, than to like 2026, right? Yeah, I think Pete Thamel wrote that, and I. Um, I want to say, was it after 2020 that they can opt out? I think so. And so that's where... That's the key, then. That's why this thing is suddenly have momentum, because everybody thought, well, Bill Hancock has said all along, he's the executive director of the playoff, he said all along, there's not going to be expansion, TV is already locked in through this. Yep. And I talked, Bill is a uh, volunteer for the uh, Olympic Committee, so I talked to him when we were over in... Uh, in South Korea for the Olympics. And of course, you talked about football. Of course, we did, yeah. <laughs> I want to do a call on you. We're going to talk about college football during the Winter Olympics. I don't care about the Olympics. I'm going to take a break from bobsled here. We're going to talk about college football. Um, and he, he reiterates that there's not an appetite for it. We're not going to do it. But I don't think people knew within that contract there's an opt out halfway through it. And right. so once you have that opt out, that's that gives you an opening well, to do it. And I mean, you saw Georgia, right? Like, yeah. I think Georgia should they be, could be in, in the playoff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have put them back in. But that, but that leads to, but the point yeah. being is that then leads to a huge temptation to say, let's just broaden scope. Well, that's the thing because if you ask me, is Georgia one of the four best teams? Yes, I, I truly believe that. Yep. Are you going to put them over undefeated Notre Dame? No way. You're not going to do it. So, right. so or, the four or, teams are are Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Clemson, and, and Oklahoma, and Oklahoma, which and is which is by the way the team. I would about yeah, but you're not. They but won. They won their why. conference, and they had yeah. one loss. You're not going to knock a conference. Well, my only concern with the four team playoff is give me the best games possible. Like I don't care who gets screwed, but but ideally, then yeah. if you're TV, you're like the more the merrier. Let's go to eight. Yeah, I think eight's a good number. And and I'm not worried about the college football fanship. I'm worried about Judd's all game watching the best <laughs> games right, possible. Yeah. Here's, and here's don't the, put them on New Year's Eve. Here's oh, my yeah. they tried that a couple years ago. Oh, and the my gosh. Ratings tanked. Here's my question. Could you go to six and give that's that's one thought by one and two a buy? Yeah, that I mean that was one thought. Give the um you know uh give the, the first two top seeds buys. But then you could let Georgia, if Georgia wants to be in, then you're kind of giving them an opportunity. But, like, okay, you're number five or number six. Well, now you got a chance to sort of prove yeah. that you're one of the four best. But I do like the fact that if you had all five uh, power uh, five conferences represented, the best, the highest ranking group of six, mm-hmm. and then two at large. And to me, that eight, and the, so then you have quarterfinals. And, and TV wants, wants more games. Yeah, you want more so games. So TV's going to yeah. want more games. And mm-hmm. then you're like, well, is it fair to be getting a bye? And then you're going off, you know. To me, make it eight, perfect. And then you play those quarterfinals on the date that would have been the conference championship uh, mm-hmm. weekend. TCL Broadcast Studios, PJ Flex press conference, I can tell you right now, was not the best recruiting press conference in the country yesterday. You're going to hear the one that was. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here before we uh, wrap things up with Chip Scoggins. 94 eastbound. Uh, we still have that crash over in St. Paul's, causing an eight-minute delay. It's between 5th Street and John Island Boulevard. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Looks like the crash is on the right shoulder. 
Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil joins the show here uh, shortly. Tom Pelissero, by the way, his appearance today will be instead of 5.15, 4.15, and then uh, Collar joins at 5 for the football hour, of course, to end the show. We wrap with Roycey right now. Zolgat, Scoggins, Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison, and gentlemen, P.J. Fleck and uh, coaches, college coaches around the country yesterday had their press conferences. And Flex was okay. I mean, he talks a lot. But it was nothing like the press conference held by Ed Orgeron, the LSU coach. This is priceless. John Embry, another, another great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. Out of scrimmage. We wanted to get bigger. I'll stop. Hey! Stop the ball! Stop the drill! I'm having a press conference! Thank you! We have to fix the line of scrimmage. How great is that? I love the what I love the most about it too is after the first time he stopped it, you could hear like an assistant coach in the background saying, That means shut that up. That means shut up. Oh. But I love the thank yous. Yeah. Thank you. And, and then he just jumps back in. We need to get Barry on line. Yeah. He I doesn't love, miss a beat. I love Coach O. He's like oh. one of my favorite coaches in college football. Is he a good coach? Like, like yeah. I have no clue, but he I didn't just, do very I good at know. Ole Miss. Yeah, I but, don't know. And he he he's took a, over. He took over at at uh, USC when Lane Kiffin got. I would say this: right? he's one of the five best recruiters in college football. Yeah, I mean he can recruit. Sarkeesian, right? Didn't didn't Sarkeesian get fired? Or have some problems and resign. Kiffin got fired. Was when Kiffin did. Okay, because and then he when I went out there when Lane was the I went out there to do a uh, pick up a story on Toby Gerhardt and I was swung by and Lane had just got the job and Coach O was his defense coordinator and then when they left Lane at the airport coming back for whatever game that was that's where he took over. Well, because the the guy that's there now Clay Helton is the one who took over for correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's Coach O's voice again. John Embry, another great young man. Okay, I'm just going to play a second of that because the more I think about it... You have to bring toughness. You know, you have to bring a defense. And you have to play... Far from exactly alike, but definitely could be brothers. Yeah. Coach O is a little bit more gruffy. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's yeah. A little bit more gruffy, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, this is this is priceless growly. John Embry, another, <laughs> I mean, just great the, young man. This alone. Hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. <laughs> that means shut up. That means shut up. I it's, love that they're doing the press conference on the field. The Vikings used to. Yeah. At Winter Park. Yeah. Is this the greatest voice we've ever had in sports? Like, just the sound of that voice. Oh. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's pretty it's good. It's got to be pretty good. Yeah. It's very distinctive, and yeah. You know what it, it, it screams of? It screams of... Like, if that was a yeah. hockey voice, you'd be like, this doesn't really fit hockey. Mm-hmm. It definitely fits football. Basketball, maybe, sort no, no, of, but it doesn't really fit. I mean, yeah. Tibbs is about as low as you as you want to go for basketball. Baseball, not even close. No. Right? But when you hear this voice, you think to yourself, John Emery, another, another great young man. And how great, how great is it that the guy's name is John Emery? Great young Emery. man. We gotta get bigger along the line. Like if the guy's name was um, Seth or something, that's not yeah. nearly as good, yeah. right? John Emery. That's such a football. Can you man. imagine him coming into your house on a recruiting visit? How great that would be. <laughs> what are we eating? I'd record it. Oh, How many beers is he having? <laughs> Coach, oh, I would guess off the top of my head, I'd say he could put 
down a 12 in no time. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you? I would think so, yeah. John Embry. John. <laughs> well, hold on. I'm, i got to play this again, too, because the thank yous are my absolute favorite. John Embry, another, another great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. <laughs> hey, guys. Hold on a second. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Great young man. On a scrimmage, we wanted to get bigger. I'm stopping. Hey! Stop the ball! Stop the drill! I'm having a press conference! Thank you! (laughs) We have to fix the line of (laughs) You know what? The more I think about the about the cadence of, of that entire thing. Will Ferrell, Wedding Crashers. Yeah, yeah. Mom, Mom, <laughs> Meatloaf! Where's the Meatloaf? What's she doing back there? Thank you! <laughs> Mom, Meatloaf! Thanks, Chip Scoggins. Hey, brother. Mackie joins the show next. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN.